older than time, spirit of the earth that supported them, guardian of their past and their future. They all, each in his own way, paid homage to the lady, and with absolute and unquestioning confidence relied on her earthly representative to watch over them and the veil. To guard, to protect, to nurture, nourish and heal. Those were the lady's tenants, the only directives Katrina followed, and to which she'd unstintingly devoted her life, as had her mother, grandmother and great-grandmother before her. She lived life simply, in accordance with the lady's dictates, which was usually an easy task, except in one arena. Her gaze shifted to the parchment left unfolded on her dresser. A Perth solicitor had written to inform her of the death of her guardian, Seamus McHenry, and to bid her attend McHenry House for the reading of the will. McHenry House stood on a bleak hillside in the Trussocks, north and west of Perth. In her mind's eye, Katrina could see it clearly. It was the one place outside the Vale in which she'd spent more than a day. When, six years ago, her parents had died, Seamus, her father's cousin, had, by custom, become her legal guardian. A cold, hard man, he had insisted she take up residence at McHenry House, so he could better find a suitor for her hand, a man to take over her lands. With his rigid fist clamped on her purse strings, she had been forced to obey. She had left the Vale and gone north to meet Seamus, to do battle with Seamus, for her inheritance, her independence, her inalienable right to remain the Lady of the Vale, to reside at Caspian Manor, and to care for her people. Three weeks of turmoil and drama later, she returned to the Vale. Seamus had spoken no more of suitors, nor of her calling, and Katrina was quite certain he had never again taken the lady's name in vain. Now Seamus the devil she'd conquered was gone. His eldest son, Jamie, would succeed him. Katrina knew Jamie. Like all Seamus's children, he was mild-mannered and weak-willed. Jamie was no Seamus. In considering how best to respond to the solicitor's request, she'd be much inclined to start as she meant to go on, and reply suggesting that, after the will was read, and Jamie formally appointed as her guardian, Jamie should call on her, here at the manor. Although she foresaw no difficulty in handling Jamie, she preferred to deal from a position of strength. The veil was her home. Within its arms, she reigned supreme. Yet, she focused again on the parchment. After an instant, the outline blurred. Once more, the vision swam before her mind's eye. For a full minute, she studied it. She saw the face clearly. Strong, patriarchal nose, determinedly square chin, features chiseled from rock in their angularity and hardness. His brow was concealed by a lock of black hair. Those piercing blue eyes were deep-set beneath arched black brows and framed by black lashes. His lips, held in a straight, uncompromising line, told her little. Indeed, that was her summation of his face, one meant to conceal his thoughts, his emotions, from chance observers. She wasn't a chance observer. Presentiment, nay, certainty, of future contact compelled her. She focused her mind and slid beneath his guard, behind his reserved facade, and tentatively 
opened her senses. Hunger, hot, ravenous, a prowling animalistic urge swept over her. It caressed her with fingers of heat. Its tug was even more physical. Beyond it, in the deeper shadows, lay restlessness, a soul-deep sense of drifting rudderless upon life's sea. Katrina blinked and drew back into her familiar chamber and saw the letter still lying on her desk. She grimaced. She was adept at interpreting the lady's messages. This one was crystal clear. She should go to McHenry House, and at some point she would meet the restless, hungry, reserved stranger with the granite face and the warrior's eyes. A lost warrior. A warrior without a cause. Katrina frowned and wriggled deeper under the covers. When she had first seen that face, she felt instinctively...